This is Healthcare Strategies. Hello, and welcome to Healthcare Strategies. My name is Kelsey Waddell, and I am the Senior Editor of Healthpayer Intelligence and Multimedia Manager at Extelligent Healthcare Media. The coronavirus pandemic shed a light on and intensified disparities in care between minority communities and the white population in America. Healthcare organizations could no longer ignore pervasive differences in patient experience and patient outcomes that existed within their own systems. In February 2021, 48% of healthcare professional participants in a New England Journal of Medicine report and survey said that health equity, or lack thereof, was a problem at their organization. And 59% stated that patients could feel the impact of health inequity and care disparities in their organizations. As the coronavirus pandemic becomes more manageable, healthcare professionals cannot let the urgency around improving health equity die out. Joining me today on Healthcare Strategies, we have our very own managing editor at Exelgent Healthcare Media, Sarah Heath. Sarah has been covering health equity and care disparities on our patient engagement HIT site for the past six years. She was a part of the original team that launched the patient engagement HIT site, which is a site dedicated to informing healthcare professionals about strategies to improve engagement with patients, communities, and populations. Sarah is here to share with us about health equity, drawing from data and interviews that she has had, which can all be found on patientengagementHIT.com. Before we get started, it's important to recognize, particularly since this podcast is audio only and without visual, that Sarah and I are both white women and we do not have personal experience with racism and racial inequities in healthcare. This episode is meant to serve merely as an introductory resource. We have done our best to pull the content of this conversation directly from the interviews that we have had with experts, many of whom do have lived experience with racism in the healthcare system, as well as bringing in data from trusted organizations. But we strongly urge those who are looking to learn more about health equity to visit patientengagementHIT.com and read interviews with healthcare leaders who have lived experience with health inequity. So without further ado, thank you for coming into the studio today, Sarah. Well, thank you for having me. (laughs) So to start off kind of with the basics, I think it's important. It's always important to define our terms before we head into a conversation like this, especially with something like health equity, where there can be some different perspectives about how to actually define that. So let's start from the same page and say, um, you know, how do we define health equity? Yeah, it it can be kind of like a nebulous topic. I'm going to defer to the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. So they define it as health equity means that everyone has a fair and just opportunity to be as healthy as possible. This requires removing obstacles to health, such as poverty, discrimination, and their consequences, including powerlessness and lack of access to jobs with fair pay, quality education and housing, safe environments, and healthcare. Being a super visual person, I really love the graphic that they have of, you know, there, there are people varying heights and varying, you know, physical abilities, and they have different sized step stools so that they can all reach the apple on the tree. And I think that really helps me too. That's where I come from whenever I talk about health equity. And a lot of the experts I talk to also kind of lean on a very similar concept. Great. Um, 
Yeah, well, that's a great visual, and I'm also a visual person, so mm-hmm. I'm really glad you brought that particular kind of metaphor up. So this isn't a new concept, obviously. The healthcare community has known for a long time that health inequities exist. And so how has the coronavirus pandemic impacted that ongoing conversation within the healthcare community on this subject? Has it increased awareness about it? Are there any areas of inequity in healthcare that kind of came to light or surfaced due to the extreme conditions of the past year? Yeah. um, And I appreciate that you kind of mentioned that you know, health inequities existed before COVID. Um, That was kind of my first bullet point that I I set out just to emphasize, you know, there were disparities before COVID and we're kind of just talking about them a lot more often now. Um, Obviously, you know, last spring there was anecdata and then actual data from the CDC showing that COVID infections and mortality rates were higher among certain populations than others, particularly higher among Latinx and Black people especially compared to their their white counterparts. That kind of offered a very concrete example of unequal health outcomes that certain minoritized groups see in numerous other disease states. And when we kind of layer that on, you know, we have this context of COVID going on. And then last spring when George Floyd was murdered, we all kind of started unpacking our concepts of race and racism in this country. Um, All of those factors really converged to create an industry-wide conversation about how race and other demographic factors sort of affected COVID outcomes. And that conversation has continued into, you know, today. But I think the conversation about health equity was kind of ramping up even before COVID. I think that value-based care has had a lot to do with that. Obviously, when we're, you know, measuring outcomes for your patient populations and getting paid for having good outcomes, it becomes very prudent that everyone is staying healthy and well. So when we have, you know, whole pockets of people who are repeatedly seeing worse outcomes for different disease states, we need to kind of figure out where that problem is or else our value-based care efforts are going to fail. A lot of that work definitely began with social determinants of health and just understanding if you don't have a ride to the doctor, you're not going to go to the doctor and then, you know, chronic disease management or any other factors are going to suffer. But when organizations kind of started to dig even a little bit deeper, they were you know, able to see unequal outcomes across their populations in large part driven by those social determinants. And organizations realized, at least financially, that they needed to address those disparities And none of that's to mention, of course, the ethical obligation that many organizations have told me that they feel. So we're talking about this a little bit, a lot from the provider perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you talk with providers all day, basically. Mm -hmm. So looking at it now from a bit of a more policymaker perspective, Mm -hmm. regulatory perspective, how has that entered the conversation? Have we seen any movement in terms of taking policy action Mm -hmm. against health inequity and to bolster health equity? Yeah, um, you know, timely question, my friend. Um, You know, up until now, we haven't really seen a huge role, at least to my knowledge. Um, But I think we're now seeing a bigger push for measuring health equity as a part of clinical quality. I think that's sort of the baseline that regulatory bodies are able to start making steps um, and start making it, you know, a compliance issue. Recently, you know, CMS issued its proposed physician fee schedule, and that included a lot of language asking different alternative payment model participants to 
offer feedback about measuring health equity. Um, that was really kind of the biggest piece of news out of that proposal. Then yesterday, at well, at the time of this recording, it <laughs> occurred yesterday, the 19th, CMS also issued its outpatient perspective payment system. And I, I haven't had the opportunity to dig into it super deeply yet, but I do know that that proposed rule requests a lot of information about measuring health equity as well. So CMS is really starting to think of, okay, what is workable for healthcare organizations to report on health equity? What is a feasible mechanism for it? And how can we display this data and then empower the providers to use this data to actually close those care gaps? There are some other outside groups who are also looking at health equity. Um, earlier this year, I got to chat with the LeapFrog group about some changes it's making to its hospital and ambulatory surgery center surveys that they are administering in 2021. The group measures patient safety and is asking survey participants to offer up more information about health equity and how organizations actually go about measuring health equity. According to LeapFrog, having equal opportunity for quality outcomes is a key patient safety issue. So they said it was kind of a no-brainer to add that as part of its patient safety surveying this year. Most of these talks have come sort of within the past year, but that's not to say people weren't talking about health equity before this. I think that would be very reductive to say about actual community organizations that have been you know, tackling this issue for decades. But a lot of the heft of those regulatory bodies has been sort of missing up until now. Um, they are starting to make some changes. But to that point, I'd also be kind of remiss not to mention um, that we don't necessarily know if any of these health equity policies are going to have any teeth to them. For example, with the LeapFrog group, of course, like their scores are something that organizations use for advertising. So when LeapFrog eventually does use some of those survey questions as part of their letter grades, this year's surveys are just kind of a fact-finding mission. Um, if organizations aren't doing well in health equity, then it could kind of penalize them in the court of public opinion, depending on how any of those health equity questions end up being used. And then as far as money being tied to health equity efforts goes, um, I'm not really sure that's happening quite yet. So we'll have to see what the comments to CMS end up saying. But um, right now, it really seems like a lot of organizations are on fact-finding missions and just trying to figure out where different providers are at and then how they can make this workable in the future so that hopefully organizations have the information needed to actually close care gaps. Yeah. One thing that came up in a, in a past interview that I actually had with the payer was this issue of when organizations want to, you know, address health equity and they, they're trying to gather data on minority populations that will help them to ideally help guide their efforts in that area. There is a lack of patient trust in, in terms of providing that data about mm -hmm. their own ethnic and racial backgrounds. And so... I was curious if from the provider side, you've heard anything about how to build that trust with patients mm -hmm. that have often historically experienced just dreadful interventions from mm -hmm. providers or no interventions when they needed them. Yeah, I think one of the most important caveats, and I want to put this out in front just to make sure that I actually address it, is that at the end of the day, it is the patient's right to 
withhold any sort of information. Um, so you really can't push the patient too hard when you're when you're having this conversation. I think that we obviously also can't just sit here with no information about health disparities and not collecting demographic information. So part of that is going to be building out that institutional change. So making sure that we're doing that cultural competency training and making sure that we're culturally aware and culturally responsive. And that way you can start to build more established trust over time with a patient during an interpersonal encounter. Um, Additionally, that point about making sure that your provider panels are actually diverse, very important point, especially for a patient who might be hesitant to disclose any demographic data or other social determinants of health information. There's actually data out there from researchers at the University of Pennsylvania. They reported in JAMA Network Open that patient experience scores tend to be at their highest when patients visit a physician who is the same race as they are. So that kind of underscores the way race plays a factor in patient experience. It shows, you know, if an individual is able to see themselves in their provider, they might be able to feel a a certain element of patient trust. So making sure that you, even the smallest of steps, letting patients know that they're allowed to opt out, um, creating a culture of openness and cultural competency and responsiveness, and making sure that you have a both racially diverse, but also gender diverse, sexuality diverse organization is going to help kind of build that trust with patients so that over time, organizations are able to collect the requisite information to truly know where disparities are in their organization and then ideally be able to close them. Yeah. As organizations try to be not just more aware of barriers to health equity, but actively opposing barriers and and breaking them down. What kinds of resources or organizations stand out to you as leaders that healthcare professionals can look to for guidance and support while they're pursuing health equity Mm -hmm. in their organizations or even just in their own lives? Mm -hmm. That's a tricky question because I think if you asked, you know, some of the healthcare providers that are currently leading the way in pushing for health equity, they would recommend you keep it as local as possible. A lot of the conventional wisdom is that, you know, in order to address health equity, organizations need to address social determinants of health. So that that's, of course, part of it. And to meet those social needs, provider or groups need to be partnering with social services organizations. So, you know, your food banks, transportation organizations, lawyers who can do tenant law, like all of those sorts of places are really important. And you need to be working within the community that you serve. You know, healthcare is pretty much in agreement that addressing social determinants of health will improve outcomes. Um, And being that many of the health disparities we see are between, you know, kind of those who are resourced and those who are under-resourced and, you know, traditionally marginalized, addressing your social determinants of health is going to be a good place to start. But, you know, where things get a little bit more challenging, and this is mostly because we were only kind of talking about it in small little pockets up until this past year's um, kind of racial reckoning in the U.S. is the cultural change. So organizations can have all of the community health partnerships that they want, but if they do not invest in equity and inclusion and cultural awareness or competency within their organization, they're not going to be able to make an institutional improvement. 
So for example, I recently covered data from uh, the Urban Institute and Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and it shows that there are racial disparities in patient safety events, even within the same hospital. So it can be the same exact building and Black people on average experience more patient safety events than white people. So there can be a lot of drivers behind this, um, but, you know, we really have to look at implicit biases as one of the places to start. So organizations that want to address health equity need to look beyond building out community-based programming and start looking within themselves and find the right people who know how to build cultural competency training, training that goes beyond one-off seminars in med school, but actual regular cultural competency training. That's a good first step, getting a more diverse leadership board and making sure your provider panels are actually diverse, making sure that your provider panels look like the patients you serve. Um, Those are also good steps for making sure we start working a little bit more on health equity. Thanks for for coming on today. Yeah, thank you, Kelsey. It's been a pleasure as always. Quick announcement for our healthcare strategies listeners. We are taking a break for the month of August. We will be using that month to record more conversations for the third season of healthcare strategies, which will start up on September 6, 2021. So we won't be gone for long, but in the meantime, if you're looking for more content to drive your healthcare strategy, I would recommend checking out our various sites dedicated to different areas of the healthcare industry. Um, Of course, Sarah's site is patientengagementhit.com. We also have our RevCycle Intelligence site, healthpayerintelligence.com, mhealthintelligence.com. Our newer sites include pharmanewsintel.com, which, as the name suggests, is dedicated to pharmaceutical industry news, um, as well as healthcareexecintelligence.com healthitanalytics.com, which is a page that is dedicated to offering great information to healthcare leaders and executives. So in the meantime, we have more research coming out, more virtual summits coming out, all of which you can learn more on by visiting extelligentmedia.com. And even though we might be off the air, we are still always eager to hear from you. So You can feel free to reach out to me at any time with questions or topic ideas that you think we should cover. Um, Just email me at kwadil at extelligentmedia.com. That's K-W-A-D-D-I-L-L at extelligentmedia.com with all of your great ideas. Looking forward to continuing the conversation with you all in September on healthcare strategies. This has been an Extelligent Healthcare Media production.